Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death. Welcome to episode 144 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the second episode of June 2015, and we are talking about Big Man Japan for our Daikaiju discussion this month. And I have with me here in the studio just one singular person outside of myself. That is Mr. Dave Helfrey. Welcome back, sir. Hey, man. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm glad you came here for the movie. I'm glad I love this movie, and I'm a little, I gotta say, I'm a little intimidated, though, being the only guy <laughs> in there. It's like, you know, I don't have Martin's, you know, film di- directorial experience. I don't it's have okay. Brian's encyclopedic knowledge, so this is like, I'm, I always kind of consider myself the comedy relief guy, so this is like... All right, then. This is like an episode of Thundercats with just Lionel and Snarf. This is gonna be really awkward. I'm a little worried. But Dave, you know, I'm what a, did you think I, of the movie? I thought it was okay. But, uh, no, I'm gonna, I'm yeah, I'm gonna see. We, we're gonna do this, man. All right, we're gonna cool. do this. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm predicting a lengthy episode for the listeners out there. So uh, let's go ahead and get this monster mash started. Yeah, babe. We are going to start things off with a request from Ben to hear Godzilla's theme from Godzilla Unleashed, and then we'll play some more tracks and get into the discussion.
So like I said, we started things off with Godzilla's theme from Godzilla Unleashed, and that was for Ben. And then we had a second request from Randy to hear Mia Robbie's prayer from Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, another gem from the 70s, I guess you could say. So we're going to go right into it. And once again, class, it is time for our Daikaiju discussion. Every month, the Kaiju cast showcases one film from the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting their thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one film to each month, ensuring that this podcast will keep going for a long, long time. This month, we're looking at a very odd entry into the kaiju genre. This is not your standard formula film. Dai Nipponjin, a.k.a. Big Man Japan, was written and directed by Hitoshi Matsumoto, a Japanese comedian. Now, this is a comedy, or more appropriately, a mockumentary. And if you aren't familiar with that term... Think this is Spinal Tap, or uh, Man Bites Dog, or even Borat, I guess. (laughs) Uh, I mentioned in the past that cultural differences between Japan and America are sometimes most visible in the medium like movies. And Big Man Japan, in my opinion, is a prime example of this. If you like the mockumentary genre you might still be scratching your head as to why this film is entertaining or really even part of our discussion list. But this film came out in 2007 uh, during the absence of big-budget kaiju films in Japan. Also of note, apparently The Hollywood Reporter announced in 2011 that Matt Manfredi and Phil Hay, who worked on Clash of the Titans and R.I.P.D., 
two fantastic films. Oh dear. <laughs> were hired to pen the remake of Big Man Japan. Uh, now that was back in 2011. Big surprise. Absolutely no more has been mentioned about that that I can tell. Um, now, I did get an offer from a friend of mine, Jim Figurski, who was on the Monster Music panel at G-Fest last year. He offered to give me a little bit of insight into Japanese comedy. Uh, the one thing that he prefaced this with is that Matsumoto, the director of this film, and his partner are considered the gods in the Japanese comedy industry. Uh, they are really witty, especially Matsumoto. So because of this, I actually had a chat with Jim a little earlier today, and he gave me a little insight into the industry. I am very, very happy that you offered to give me some insight as to how uh, Matsumoto is so well regarded in Japan and, and his his comedy style. Yeah, what, what do you want to know about him or... Uh, Japanese comedy in general. So Japanese comedy in general, I would say I enjoy it, but I know for a fact that I'm missing something. <laughs> there are things in <laughs> in Japan uh, that obviously I have not been witness to or have not learned about. So I I would imagine there's tons of references if I ever watch like one of those uh, comedy shows when I'm actually over there that I'm just they just go right past my head. The cultural differences between their comedy and our comedy sometimes seem very large. Yeah. Um, you're referring to just comedies in general or the movie Big Man Japan? Well, let's just talk comedies in general. Okay. You know, in Japan, there's stuff called the variety programs. They'll have a bunch of different uh, uh, themes going on, and they'll, they'll pepper it with the comedians in the background. And they'll okay, kind of gotcha. there to be like a peanut gallery, and they, you know – Yell out stuff that's funny in the back and whatnot. So that that's one type of comedies that are, uh, you know, the typical comedy programs in Japan. But uh, another is like uh, they have something called manzai, which is like stand-up comedy. And in America, you were used to having one person being the stand-up, but in, in Japan, it's far more common to have a duo. They call them a kombi, which is short for combination. Uh-huh. Um, it's like a comedic duo and. There's always there's this like pattern uh, of, like the two guys at the beginning of Ghidra the three headed monster right yeah yeah there's a straight guy and a funny guy yeah you know there's one guy that purposely says stuff that's kind of stupid the other guy the straight guy's purpose is to kind of slap him around and say what are you talking about and that's like a real typical formula in the whole Japanese comedy industry and and Matsumoto is part of this this comedic duo called Downtown uh-huh. and his partner his name is Hamada and they started out I think in the early 80s and um I didn't know much about you know them back then but my wife is Japanese and she told me that like they kind of took the whole comedic industry by storm and I'm going to use probably a lot of analogies to, to heavy metal because that's what I'm always thinking about. Sure. <laughs> All right. I'm doing this. But they're like the Metallica of the, the comedic industry in Japan. They, they kind of pioneered this. They broke the mold of the traditional template in Japan, the comedic template. And they started to do things way different. Oh, okay. And, uh, so they were like the ones that all the comedians now um, – all the comedic duos out there, they're all kind of like part of a family. They appear in shows and they're, they're buddies and all that. And all of them are real popular now, but they owe everything to downtown, which Matsumoto is a part of. Gosh, how would you even like quantify that with a comparison here in the States? 
I, I that's a good question. I'm because I don't think we have. Um, I mean, like you know, you could say a name like uh, Seth Rogen, or um, you know, I'm not even quite sure who's. We don't have like one definitive be all end all in the comedic industry, as far as I know. Yeah, I'd say we have like a lot of really big names. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's how interesting it's a duo too. There's a bunch of big names, but then there's downtown that just far surpasses them. And I, and I bring it back to the whole the metal analogy again. You know, you got like you got Metallica, and then you got all the other metal bands like Testament, Exodus, and Forbidden, and all that underneath them, which might be popular, but they're nowhere near the popularity of Metallica. Yeah, and just like you know, those metal bands got influenced by Metallica. All these comedic duels now got influenced by downtown. So interesting. Okay. So have you seen any of, uh, Matsumoto's movies aside? I mean, you, we can include big man Japan in this as well, but yeah, have you I seen saw, any of his other, his other films? Yeah. I saw big man Japan years ago. And then I saw there was one, um, he came, I think it was this one right after that called symbol or something like that. Okay. And it's a really weird and, uh, kind of a surreal movie. There's not a lot of dialogue in it. And uh, I, I was asking my wife, like, you know, when they came out and they kind of took the comedic world by storm, what was so different about them, you know, downtown compared to the, the traditional formulaic comedic elements back then? Mm-hmm. And she said they're really surreal. And it's like their, their humor is kind of a little bit off, a little bit twisted, and it's really subtle. So that's what set them apart from traditional Japanese comedy where they had, it was very easy to understand. Anyone could laugh at it, but it was the downtown's style was just, it was just a little bit off the beaten path. And that's what changed the way people viewed comedy back then. Interesting. Let's talk a little bit more about the Japanese comic stylings. I mean, I don't even know how to really mention it really, but the way, the way Japan does comedy um, and, uh, how similar would you say Big Man Japan is to Japan's comedy style or, or, uh, their cultural comedy workings? I can tell you, um, you know, like in a lot in America com- comedy, there's, it's a lot of kind of vulgar kind of sexual jokes in there. Um, Japan, I mean, they do have that, but they don't stress it as much as we do. Um, for for example, you know, uh, like here, you can come up with use you know specific body parts to call people names, right? Right, right. And and there's just no end to what you can come up with in, in English. Th- that doesn't exist in Japan. I mean, uh, if you tried doing that in the Japanese language, it just falls flat. It's not going to work. It's not going to translate. So they don't always rely on uh, a vulgar aspect to, to, to get their, their comedy stylings across. I'd say it's more pure than American comedy. Interesting. Um, yeah. And in terms of you look at like, I, to be honest, I haven't seen Big Man Japan in quite some time, but I remember a, a few things here and there. And my, my wife was telling me like, uh, she wanted me to mention that, um, What's his name? The, the, the lead guy in there, it's, it's Dai Sato, which I think is, is Matsumoto's family in there. Uh, Sato is, is a really common name in Japan. It's like Smith and Dai means like large. So it's like his name is Big Smith. Okay. <laughs> He's supposed to be like the super, you know, special superhero, but his name is Big Smith. Yeah. So it's, it's a really, it's like really subtle 
uh, things that make it funny. Do we want to just talk in sort of general terms about Japanese comedy and this film? Because I, it's almost like I'd rather give my co-host a primer on Japanese comedy. Because, you know, they've seen stuff in movies like King Kong versus Godzilla. You know, if you watch the American version of King Kong versus Godzilla, there's still some very Japanese style slapsticky stuff happening in that film. But the Japanese mm-hmm. version, you know, that's the original format. So there are some of the comedy is a little, a little more Japanese and not played up as much as it is in the American version. Mm-hmm. Uh, we you know with the dub and so forth and the way they edited it. But then yeah. I guess I should say that the, from from my experience, uh, um, I, from living over there, the, a comedy movie in Japan is it's, it's a lot different than the comedy programs that I'm watching on a daily basis uh, with my wife. Okay, um, the comedy movies are more subtle, like like Big Man Japan, like that whole thing with uh, um, you know his him, his name being like Big Smith, right? And uh, um, him uh, the whole uh, the sponsors putting the ads all over and he's very particular about where the where the sponsoring label should go. Yeah. And stuff like that. Okay. That that's really it's really subtle stuff. And I feel like Big Man Japan's more like it's almost like him doing a bunch of inside jokes among him and his buddies as opposed to making it more mainstream like it is on the the Japanese uh you know variety shows that I watch on a daily basis. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> the inside baseball kaiju movie of Japanese comedy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, like I know there's, well, one part I thought was really funny is that, uh, you know, that one kaiju they fight that has the comb over. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's that, that I think is one of their, their buddies. I'm not sure if he's a comedian or he's an actor, but that's like, that's a, that's based off a real individual and they're making fun of him because of his comb over. Yeah. And so they made him you know, a giant comb over kaiju. And, uh, um, like so is oh, that guy, is the comb over guy, the, uh, the one that they're basing it off of, is he also a comedian in Japan or, or I'm not a, sure. I, I, I think he is, but I, they can't quote me on that. Okay. But it, you it, heard it, it here, folks. Like, Jim Figurski says, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, uh, even if it wasn't a comedian, uh-huh. they would do it anyway. Yeah. It's, you know, um, and, uh, like they call that in Japan, that's called barcode, barcode hair. Okay. <laughs> you know, because if you look, yeah. you look at a barcode on a yeah. package, it, you know, it's kind of. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So like that, that's just a different way of, you know, how they might look at something like that. Yeah. Okay. What else could we talk about regarding big man Japan? I mean, I, I remember seeing it when it came out and I was like, this is weird, but I like it. Yeah. It's, it's weird is a good way to put it. And that's, if I remember, there's kind of like some dark comedy in there as well. Oh and, yeah. Uh, um, For sure. Dark comedy. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, that's, that's part of Matsumoto's humor. Um, I know he, he was raised in a real poor setting and obviously he's not poor now. He's a, he's a multimillionaire, you know, <laughs> Many yeah. times over, but uh, um, that's kind of just how his his comedy styling is. It's it's a little dark, a little twisted, and I get and and he he has like I said a different way. His his comedy and his movies are more like that subtle, dark, twisted. But when he appears on a TV show, 
it's it's more mainstream and he he you know spits out jokes that everyone can laugh at yeah he's he's really witty um and can make comments that makes you go like oh i see you i see and and, and everyone laughs but that's that's kind of how he is on a on a japanese uh comedy show nice yeah i mean i looked him up and just of course i'm using like wikipedia and uh, stuff there's not a lot on the internet that i could find that uh i would be able to digest quickly um, right and it seems like he's a celebrity in japan obviously he's got a freaking wikipedia page talking about his entire life things yeah. that he likes his health i think he has a uh, uh an agent that has created this wikipedia page for him but I mean, oh. it's very obvious that he's done a lot of work too because he's got uh films, TV and radio and books and yeah. Seems like the guy is very popular. Two things I could mention about one there I don't think there's a person in Japan that doesn't know who he is. Okay. He's, he's that big. Um I can't imagine I guess there possibly could be someone like in someone in their 70s or 80s but everyone knows who he and his partner Hamada are. That's that's one thing. Um, I know he likes, um, Sentai at least. Uh, I've, I've heard him on different shows before talking about Ultraman. Um, there was one show I was watching that it's, it's kind of a comedy show where he would, it was called like Matsumoto's Corner. And what you do is you get around with a bunch of other comedians and they would talk about things that they like. And their whole purpose was to try to get other people into what they're into. So they would, talk about something that was important to them. And he talked about an Ultraman episode. Um, and I, I'm not really a big Ultraman guy, mm-hmm. so I don't remember what it was about, but it was about this weird looking, um, Kaiju who like, I guess, <laughs> masquerade as a man and he lived in an apartment and his whole thing was like turning humanity against itself. It was really deep, but it was kind of ridiculous because it sounded like it didn't have a, a great big budget for it. But the, the episode itself was, was pretty cool and, and deep. Just talk, talking about this kaiju, instead of, you know, trying to be this giant creature destroying the city, he was going to destroy humankind from within itself by, by turning mankind on itself. And I don't, I don't know if that ever rings a bell with you, but I didn't with me, but I know he's pretty big into the Sentai stuff. Uh, no, not, not to me, but that's, I'm, I'm like a baby in Ultraman. I've not, uh, I've not gone past halfway through Ultra 7, really. So, no, you know more than I do then. Yeah. <laughs> I've got Ultra Q down. Uh, I've got Ultraman in there in my brain somewhere. And then Ultra 7, I just haven't been able to power through enough. I feel like I've watched a ton of it, too. That's yeah. uh, not germane to the discussion, though. Uh, <laughs> thank you I, very I much. Should, I should mention one other thing. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. They, uh, another thing in Japanese programs, I'm not sure, it, it doesn't really come across in the movies, but, uh, Japanese co- and comedy, they love pain. They love inflicting pain on each other and they think it's really funny. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it comes back to that whole twisted thing. Uh, there's a really, really popular show in Japan called, um, uh, you, you I'm, I'm going to translate this in English. It's something like, you can't laugh for the next 24 hours. And it's a show that downtown does with the help of another comedic duo plus one comedian who's solo. And what they do is they put themselves in situations, they role play, like, uh, for example, they're all police officers. And for 24 hours, they have to stay up and they're not allowed to laugh. 
And these situations kind of come out like other comedians come out and they try to make them laugh under the, the pretext that they're, they're all like safe police officers training in a com- uh, academy. Okay. And if they do laugh, um, these people come out from the side, the staff, and they take like these wooden paddles and they hit them in the behind. <laughs> and which doesn't sound that bad, but when you do this for 24 hours, um, they tally up the results at the end of the, the 24 hour period. And some of them have like 310 hits, oh my God. And, which gets, you know, actually they, they, they start chafing and bleeding because, you know, they're, they've been hit so much. Yeah. And it becomes like a high school situation. You know, like you're with your buddy, you're not allowed to laugh. And that makes it funnier because you know, you're going to get in trouble if you laugh. And it's that kind of mentality. This yeah. Show. Yeah. Um, it's one of the biggest shows ever in Japan. It, it comes out once a year on New Year's Eve. And, um, it's six hours long because they can't show all 24 hours of it. They just, right, right. <laughs> but, uh, that's that Matsumoto and, uh, Hamada, they're, they're behind that. And that, that, if you ask any Japanese person, they all know that show. Very cool. Well, it's cool to know. I, I guess I, uh, I do have one question. Yeah. I don't know if you can even answer this, but, um, how did his movie do? How did people actually respond to Big Man Japan? I I wish I knew. I couldn't oh, tell you. Man. Yeah, it'd I be interesting to find out. And... I mean, I I yeah. If you can, uh, if you can let me know, I would say that the box office numbers that I saw online don't really sound like it did very well. But I I don't know how you know what its release was like. And in general, uh, you know, Japanese movies just domestically they don't do as well as American movies. Do. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just that they're facing these huge blockbuster, you know, Hollywood movies, and they just they end up never doing well. But on the flip side, a lot of American movies don't make it over to Japan just because it's hard to translate. You know the, what they're trying to get across. The humor doesn't. Oh yeah. Translate over so. Um, like my wife was saying, even with the best subtitler, there's going to be stuff in Big Man Japan that we're just not going to get. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I've been living there for 25 years, and you know who they're referencing. Gotcha. That makes sense. All right. Well, thank you very much. Big thanks to Jim for helping me out with a little behind-the-scenes information very on nice. Japanese comedy. Uh, I know I definitely learned a little bit from that. And uh, I think, Dave, it's time for us to talk about this movie, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not so sure that Jim's, uh, hey, Japanese comedy isn't that vulgar thing is really, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, because like, you just look at it, it's like, you know, giant underpants and the smoke and volcano nipples. And he killed the stare, he killed the evil stare monster with a baton to the butthole. He did. Which, he did. which, uh, which bears out my theory. Butts are funny. <laughs> just a universal I mean like they're I think not body as, parts are funny they're not as funny as like Adam Sandler thinks they are but they're but butts are butts are funny man, right. you yeah. know and it's like so you know so I, it's like I, I hear I, I can understand sort of the you know sophistication thing and I, I think mm-hmm. that there was a lot of I think the tone was Fairly sophisticated and deconstructionist like like we were talking about The Office totally, or yeah. Spinal yeah. Tap um, you know, not, you know, this is not Paul Blart funny. 
Right. You know, I, actually, yeah, is yeah, Paul yeah. Blart funny? I don't know. <laughs> that uh, that's that's. I don't uh, think anything I, is Paul Blart funny. <laughs> I'm you know no offense like, to listeners, but, who you know, like but all of those, you know, Best of Show and and yep, uh, yep. Uh, Spinal Tap and you know and all those. I mean, I think that you know those the kind of thing that's poking fun at society with a straight face. Yeah. Um, I think this falls, uh, you know, up until the end where this movie takes a hard right turn into crazy town. Um, yeah. I'd uh, say that's like one yeah. of those hairpin turns where you have to like actually go more than just the 90 degree turn. I'm just, yeah, I'm just assuming that Matsumoto was just like, you know, they were, they were, it was late at night and they had to finish the script and they were like, oh man, how are we going to finish this? Um, this, uh, rubber this suits. movie's, this movie's last what was that like five fifteen? Oh no, it went, it went on. Five? It yeah. went on. It took five minutes just to tear the underwear off that monster. <laughs> it's, 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 that went on for a while, man. Well, let's uh, before we talk about the ending, yeah. uh, let's talk yeah. a little bit about the the rest of the film. So this, absolutely, this is actually uh, I think it's a first. Like a, it's a couple of firsts for the Kaiju Cast. One, I don't own this movie, uh, and then. On the flip side of that, uh, which is, I think we've encountered that before. I've always bought the movie when I didn't own it. So this time I didn't buy it. I actually rented it from Amazon. Why no, why no love for Big Man? I, you know why what? No I tried to get it and I didn't try hard enough or fast enough because oh, well, the, uh, the shipping said like, do you want it there on <laughs> Monday? And I was like, oh wait, our, that's too late. Whoops. So, All right. Uh, you know, thank God for video on demand, I have to say. <laughs> uh, so, yes, this was my second time ever viewing it. Mine too. Yours as well. Yeah. Uh, the first time I saw it, I think the first time I saw it, I was like, what is this? What is going on here? I think I understood a little bit of the comedy, uh, but I don't think I had – at the time when I saw it, I didn't have as much of an appreciation for – many aspects of Japanese life and, and home media. Sure. Like, so as Dave knew, knows this, cause we talked about it. Um, but I did, I, before I had seen this movie the first time, I had never really seen any Ultraman, just a couple little things that my friend showed me when I visited one time. So Ultraman and, uh, and et cetera, like all right. the other non Godzilla, non Kaiju Tokusatsu stuff. Right. And this movie Really, it really helps to have like a little bit of background. A little bit more of the now, cultural, yeah, yeah the the, uh, the cultural uh, um, context yeah. of everything. Yeah, and I think it was like obvious by the way that the uh, like Jim was mentioning that the uh, the uh, strangling monster yeah. was yeah. that guy, and I, th- I think the leaping monster, like that face, was extremely specific. So you know there are you know references and gags and and stuff that you know that we're obviously not getting, but it's totally. I, think it's, I think it's it's totally obvious that they they went that way with just some of the weirdest freaking <laughs> monster. I was like, I I almost think that there's like that this has more in common. Besides being a comedy and besides being a mockumentary, more in common with the yokai movies. Yes. Oh, that's a, you know, actually every single time the little title card came up for the monsters. Oh, yeah. Every single time it looked like uh, the old drawings for yokai. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Just, just, I got uh, no problem with that. The weirdness and no, definitely not. The, the big difference was the scale. That was like pretty, you know, pretty much it. And the, just the, the weirdness and the human faces and the, uh, uh, (laughs) the strange behavior. Oh, my God. The strange, 
uh, kaiju powers. Like yeah. those oh, things the, were just the weird. Stink monster weird. Yeah. killed me when he started poking out the. Or would she? I guess started poking out the windows on the building. Yeah, I was just. I was. <laughs> I was dying. I'm just like that is some funny stuff. Yeah, angry yeah. child. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, uh, I think even even now. I still enjoy the movie, but even now I still have those moments when I'm just kind of like, I don't really get what's going on here. I'm just going to roll with the punches and make it to the next section. Uh, what are some of the things that you do like about this film? Cause actually I think both you and I do appreciate the film and oh, like no it. question. Yeah. yeah no so, question. No, so, it's yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I love stuff that sort of deconstructs, Mm-hmm. traditional, you know, cultural mores and things like that. And, and, and I love, um, so the idea that here's this guy that everybody knows. Yeah. And, you know, and he's getting his, uh, his, he's getting his wall graffitied and he's getting, you know, he's, he's like, he's poor, you know, and he's depressed and he's divorced. Oh, and, yeah. you know, it's the, you know, the notion the way that Matsumoto took him and, and, and deconstructed this, like, well, you know, it's like, what if this guy wasn't like the fourth, like his grandfather? What if, right. like, he, what, what if he did fall on hard times? What if, what if giant monsters attacking the city became so mundane and so just annoying yeah. that, that having some kind of pseudo scientific magic guy who lives on your block who can grow to 80 feet tall to fight these monsters is a pain in the butt yeah. i mean that's oh yeah that's kind of funny yeah you, yeah you know and, and there's you know it's funny it's another aspect of it being funny is that you know it's it's a direct correlation to the way people are treating him and talking about yeah. him that you could imagine them saying like, "Ugh, Ultraman is so blase. Like, does anybody really watch that anymore? Didn't they move right. that to 2am on the time <laughs> schedule? You know, it's, uh, that's, that's the kind of thing that I, I love about it. Even right. though I know for a fact, Ultraman's like still huge over there, Oh yeah, totally. but it's that, it's that same kind of like well, people the whole, are the whole tired of, 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 uh, yeah, they've lost the excitement for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which is, I mean, which is so, wrong yeah and but and also the fact that he's a generational hero right so like every you know every single generation something is wrong with his family yeah (laughs) like it just keeps getting worse and worse i could totally imagine like the time that like his grandfather was alive and everybody was like yeah die you know die eating bone gene and then uh his he said his father was a little crazy and like uh, i'm sure people were like yeah this guy isn't as awesome anymore and then uh then uh mr smith comes along yeah and and essentially just is kind of he's a broken man and that's what i see in this film i see the same uh behaviors in uh in our main character as i do in like japanese businessmen of today who are just like there are two, t- I feel like there are two types of Japanese businessmen. There are the go-getters, the guys who are in charge, the guys who make things happen. The grandfather, happen. right. And then, um, then there are the guys that, this, I just want my job. I don't want to cause any waves and nobody does anything like that. It's just right. the, only the important people make those decisions and I'm just going to do my thing here. And I feel like he's been essentially broken down into somebody who literally has a job. He doesn't really care for. He knows that he should be proud of it. Yes. He knows that he should be 
better than he is, but right. in the world that he lives in, he just can't. Like the pe- people despise him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so silly. I was gonna go for a Baldwin Brothers joke there, but I can't even remember the name of the sad Baldwin now. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Even, it's like that's how sad it is. Jimbo. Yeah. Jimbo Baldwin. <laughs> Jimbo Baldwin. <laughs> right. Steve. Uh, Steve. Randy Baldwin. Well, yeah. uh, I, I mean, this movie has a lot going for it. I think it's overall, beautiful. It is. It's, it it's is really beautiful. well directed. I'm like, I was kind of, when we were watching the credits at first, it's like, oh, it's written and directed, or it's uh, written and directed and stars the same guy. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, it's not a, I don't know. Um, I didn't know Matsumoto's rep. Obviously, mm-hmm. if we were Japanese, we'd be like, yeah, it does. This guy's, he's, you know, he's the guy. He's, you know, sure he's going to star in it and direct in the whole thing. Um, normally, and you know, it's like, again, it's like my oeuvre is horror films. Mm-hmm. Normally, when that happens in a horror film, that is the hallmark of a parade of turd coming at, coming your way just this is a bad idea oh, just, just a bad you know idea. just yeah. nothing but you know to but a monument to nobody saying no to this guy for four months yeah is, is yeah. usually what it is in this case slam dunk you yeah. know obviously the guy knows what he's doing amazingly talented uh you know gets it you know very you know you know uh, uh amazing sense of timing um, even the cutaways, the little, I was just watching it from a, from if Martin was here, he would agree with me. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, you know, Martin, uh, uh, Martin yeah. is trying to make some money tonight. So oh I can't, uh, man. I, I can't um, deny him that. Well, all right. That's inbounds. Um, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> let's you know, wait to it, give him crap until after the documentary <laughs> is done and we're all back to normal. <laughs> um, but yeah, but it's, it was just, it was really it was the, the execution was was great, you know, and yeah. I and I thought that uh, even you know it's like there's some places where it's like all right the 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 CG is a little cheesy and everything, but it's not you know they weren't going for Pacific Rim yeah for 2007 you know. in Japan that's I actually good think stuff. that it's kind of good it's pretty good it's it's good it's got that same thing uh, it's got that uncanny valley thing going on in a minute like not in a minute it's got that uncanny valley thing going on that. Uh, can be really distracting, but I think because you're really only dealing with the giant monsters for CGI, it's easy to sort of accept it almost in the same way that we accept like dudes in suits. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that like, obviously they knew where they put their money, like the stink monster. (laughs) That was good. That was good CGI. Yeah. It was was actually really pretty good. And it's like, they knew that he was going to be that, you know, they were going to be there. They were going to have this conversation, the comic timing and the believability of the character was going to be critical to that whole sequence, which is one of the best sequences in the whole damn film. And so they put their money there. Yeah. Kudos. You know, it's like, this is, this is good. Uh, you know, they made good calls throughout this whole movie. How to, how to sell it. So what would you knock on this film? Cause honestly, I'm, you know, if I try and just say, okay, well, I'm not Japanese, so I'm not going right. to get all that stuff. Right. Do I have any problems with this film? I guess I don't really. I think, I think timing and, uh, we were talking, earlier and i think a listener mentioned as well it's like ultraman versus the office right but as as dave and i were watching it uh i think i mentioned and if i'm stealing this from you apologies but i think i mentioned that it, it's almost more like curb your enthusiasm yes where it felt 
it felt very natural and very unrehearsed. It, it felt, felt like like there wasn't really a script. And depressing. Yeah, way right. depressing. See, and yeah, that, yeah, and yeah, there's yeah. the thing. It's like where you're where there's this kind of Schadenfreude, I guess. Sure, yeah. You know, yeah, you can to, absolutely you know, say that. to what to what's going on here and, and we're finding finding enjoyment and entertainment in his misery. Yeah. Absolutely. No, there's yeah. there's there's no question about it. Because this is that that poor that poor guy. He should be when I, and I actually the more that, now that I've saw now that I saw that post credit sequence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I love it even more. Yeah. Because it's like he should be that shining superhero, that Ultraman kind of thing. Here yeah. he is, is, you know, he's, he's Japan's protector. He's not a protector from outer space who's just coming out and just happens to be hanging out in Japan. Yeah. He is Japan's guy and he should be, you know, he should have his, you know, shiny cap, he's Captain America. He, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, and the whole thing. And I love. How they ev- how Matsumoto continues to deconstruct the whole genre with that family argument yeah. at, over the post credit yeah. scene. So funny. So let's actually talk about the the big switch, the right hand turn, yeah. into Crazy Town. Yeah, because when it when I first saw it, when I saw it without that post credit scene, I was like, "This is weird." Yeah, the guy they just got tired and they didn't know how to finish the film. Yeah, and then you add that post credit scene to it. Now, all of a sudden, it's like the, the way that they deconstruct that and bookend it, it makes perfect sense. His life doesn't get any better, even though he's, he's <laughs> flying true. off with the gods. The gods have chosen him yeah. and he flies off into the air with them and he loses his shoe I and he's like, you know, so I know oh it's great. Gosh, it's so, so good. good. But, and then he gets to, you know, a kaiju fighting Nirvana. Yeah. He's hanging out with the ultras. Or the, I'm sorry, the justices. Yeah, the justices. Uh, right. You know, yeah. and they're jerks and they're terrible to each other. And they're like, you know, they're fighting and they're yeah. calling each other, you know, stupid. And and you know, and mom's doing this passive aggressive. Yeah. Uh, it's hilarious. Well, it, it's hilarious. Speaking back to your the, the deconstruction comment. I yeah. mean, even even during the film, like when uh, his grandfather goes goes rogue yeah <laughs> like starts you know uh terrorizing japan right you know the the first thing he says to his his publicist is like hey every family has right. their problems right i mean it's just kind of almost yeah. like doubling that up at the end and i i love the idea that not only like the ultra family or the justice family you could call them the, i love the fact that they are uh Overall, they're heroic on the outside, but as soon as they get behind closed doors, that's when they turn into a normal family and they yeah. bicker amongst each other. Yeah. And like, you could tell the, the kid, whatever, the, the young man who played yeah. the ultra, super Ultraman, Justice. super yeah. justice guy, yeah. like, he, he's kind of a jerk, you know? Yeah. And well, like, he's like, he's, he's a teenager. Yeah. You know, he's like a teenager rebelling against his parents. He's trying to, you know, and it's like, it's, it's just like everybody else. Yeah. It's like, and you know something? And kids, that's the moral of the movie. <laughs> Giant monsters are just like us. <laughs> I don't think that's really what he was going for. I think he was just yeah. having, I think he was just having a, a spinal tap good time. Oh, I, I with agree. the genre. And I, and I love it. I actually, and I don't know if I've ever, I don't know if I've ever said this on, I know I've not said it on the podcast, but you probably don't know either. I actually really like mo- the mockumentary, uh, genre. I guess. Sure. Like, this is Spinal Tap, obviously, is a classic. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen Man Bites Dog? 
It's a French yeah. film where but it's I've, like these guys I've, are following I've, around a serial, the serial killer. killer. Oh, well, God. was I it saw a, that in college? Wait, was it a serial killer or a hitman? Uh, it was a. Was he a hitman? It was. He looks like a hitman because I haven't seen it since art school, so I don't yeah. remember. I don't remember a lot about it. I thought it was. I thought they're falling around a hitman. Yeah, he looks like a hitman, but I think he's actually. Uh, he's just a killer. Okay, he might not. Maybe he's in between serial right. and a killer. He's serial enough to have a lot of bodies dumped in the quarry. Yeah, yeah that, and it's but. like I remember. You know, I remember seeing it, and I remember getting that it was satire but i remember laughing a lot during man no, bites dog no man, man bites dog That's is some, dark yeah okay dark. all right it's coming back to me a little because bit because yeah what man bites dog and listeners i apologize for talking about this so long but man bites dog is a really great film from the 90s where uh this french film crew documentary film crew is basically doing almost like that uh reality yeah. tv style yeah. follow someone around everywhere yeah and but it so almost like the difference between big man and Big Man Japan and Man Bites Dog is like the the main character from Big Man Japan just kind of he's interested that they're there but he just kind of tolerates that they're there he's like yeah. oh you know I got to do my stuff hang on uh but but when they ask him he's like oh okay sure I'll go do whatever and the guy in Man Bites Dog the serial killer who's obviously yeah crazy in the head uh he's like no, you guys follow me. You you should see me kill this guy. You know, it's like it's way it's way way darker. Yeah, uh, great film though. You should check it out. If it you, is if something, you are, uh, it is something. A fan yeah. of the, the genre. So uh, I honestly, I really don't know. It's weird. I I can't really say anything too negative about it. Obviously, it's weird. It's a bizarre film. It's something that. I don't think that I would show it to a newbie at all. Oh no, because it's it's you're just not going to they're so, just not going to get it. You yeah. there you have to. I mean, there were as you pointed out, there are many things that we did not get. Uh, just you know, sitting here, the Round Eye Crew checking out this you know <laughs> yeah. this excellent piece of uh you know cultural satire from a culture that we do not belong to. True, and um you know where you know whereas I'm sure that there's a lot of people who like in Asia who would watch Spinal Tap and not laugh at some of the funniest parts of the whole of course, movie. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's all good. The um and, and, and then I just lost my train of thought. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, but uh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But Spinal Tap is, uh, like, I think we revere Spinal Tap a lot here in the States. I'm wondering if there's anything in oh. Japan that they, that they hold up as high as Spinal Tap. You know, there. actually, that, that is, that was my train of thought. Um, but I know a lot of people who do not think Spinal Tap is funny. Hmm. Now they think Jeff Foxworthy is hilarious. Oh, okay. See, you yeah, know, yeah, they yeah, think, yeah. you know, they're the people who bought, you know, they're, they're why Larry the Cable Guy has a mansion. Right. Or probably 15 mansions, <laughs> you know, honestly. And it's all good. It's like, you know, sense of humor, uh, you know, whereas I will still hold to my theory that butts are universally funny. Of course. Yes. Very few other things are. And there's, you know, the sen senses of humor are just like any other taste. So, um, it, you know, whereas I think that like the Coen brothers, for example, mm -hmm. you know, I think Raising Arizona is possibly one of the funniest movies ever made. I know a lot of people don't think it's funny at all. Yeah. And it's, it's like, okay, it's, it's just like, it's, it's subtle. It's not in your face. You know, it's like, there was only one, uh, there was only one raising Arizona. Yeah. But there were two grownups 
<laughs> true. You true. know, yeah. so yeah. I'm just saying, you know, yeah. it's like there's, di- you know, I'm sure there people, are people in Japan that didn't strokes. care for this either. I'm sh- count on it. Yeah. But I, 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 and I think maybe one of the reasons that you don't hear a lot of kaiju fans talk about this film too much is because, or maybe have it in their collection. I think I mentioned this yeah. earlier. We got five people who sent in their, their homework, which yeah. I'm very happy we got that. Uh, but yeah, I'm thinking that, you know, because it doesn't follow the, I mean, saying it doesn't follow the formula of a kaiju film is not even really a thing to say here because it's so far past where it's not any kaiju. sort of it's, kaiju it's, film or kaiju formula comes yeah. into play that you, if that's what you're hung up on, then I'm you're not going to enjoy I'm, it. I'm actually kind of surprised this one is, uh, that, that you, that you pulled this one. It's, it's so not a kaiju film. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's kaiju in scale only. Well, there's this nothing, there's nothing else. and Death Kappa and Gehara. Right. And I think Death the, Kappa was the last time I was here, the, right? This I is like, so. we got, yeah, we got yeah. two in a row. We got two weird ones in a row. Man. Yeah. You know, for you. Like, yeah. 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 But I mean, these are, but those are the things I love. But so these are the, the reasons they're in there is because a, they do feature giant monsters. They sure. are Japanese. And yeah. then the other aspect of it is they came out when they're, were no giant monsters. It's not like right. this came out and was competing for, you know, tickets sales for a Godzilla film Fair or this enough. came out and, uh, it was just to hold us over. This was literally like, when I saw this, I was like, I got to watch this because it's a kaiju film, you know? <laughs> and then I saw it and I was like, that Kinda. was bizarre. And yeah. I guess, you know, in the, in the, my definition, as I've said before on the show, like kaiju is inherently Japanese, like kaiju films yeah. are inherently Japanese. And we spread it out to, you know, the other countries just around Japan, like Korea. And I'm sure eventually we'll get into a, a Chinese movie. Uh, but for the most part, like I don't consider as we've, I think we actually mentioned in the last episode, I actually don't like consider King Kong or, uh, Rita Soros. I don't consider those kaiju films. Mm. Um, but, but that's in bounds. What yeah, about yeah. like, uh, uh, magic serpent? Uh, Magic Serpent is going to be added to the list. Ooh, I'll be here for that, baby. Uh, Magic Serpent was one that I actually didn't see until last year for the first time. No kidding. Yeah. Just sort of escaped me. You know, once you get outside of the, I mean, not to go too far down this rabbit hole, but once you get outside of the big Toho and Daiye movie studios and the, the little peppered in monster films or, you know, their attempts at suitmation as you, as you could call it. Mm Mm-hmm. Not so great. So mm-hmm. I, I'm I for a long time I wasn't enthused to go out and find other stuff. But, yeah. But uh especially now that the the list is wrapping up and we're looking for extra extra pieces I, uh, before I don't we think reboot I've, the whole thing. I've but, seen yeah. Magic Serpent probably fifteen times, oh, but cool. not since I was eleven. Well, I'm thinking that, about getting the Japanese the version thing. too, the Ooh, right, one with see, like subtitles and stuff, which I never would have seen because I've seen it edited for television yeah. on the Saturday afternoon monster flick, you yeah. know, back home in Los Angeles. Yeah, the the version I have right now is a really, really shoddy DVD that was transferred from a VHS tape, and it's like pink or purple or something mm, like that. that. Ain't right. I, I remember like watching it and be like. I don't think I can even adjust no, the color on this. That it's like right. definitely, yeah. definitely uh, scanned from a bad print. Yeah. I don't remember much color in it, honestly. 
Okay. I, you know something? It might be so long ago I watched it on black and white TV. Oh, interesting. It could be. So, you know, it's... Uh, but I, I would, I'd be totally down with that. All right. But see, but talking about another movie is not giving Big Man Japan. That's it's true. Doing, That's I, true. Back I'm on the dis- track. I'm being disrespectful. Of, of, uh, Dai Nipponjin. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, I guess really, I'm just ready to move into the final thoughts. I mean, unless you had any other right thoughts about it. Um. Real quick, let me go back. We, yeah, we could go final. Okay. We could go final. Yeah. I mean, this movie essentially doesn't set out to be a kaiju film and it, oh no it's a as we were talking about it's comedy it's a deconstructive look at many aspects of japanese life uh and i think it really succeeds in that and i i mean i know as we just said it's not really a kaiju film but and yet without that background yeah you have to yeah you gotta you'd, you'd be lost in a lot of uh, totally a, a lot of stuff so and I'm, and I'm glad that you've like gotten into ultraman a little bit because obviously Matsumoto is more of a Sentai fan than, than a Kaiju <laughs> yeah, yeah, fan. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's very, it's very much that. Without a ilk, doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's very cool that we even have, have these kind of movies in my opinion. I love a good break from the formula every once in a while. Well, you I got it, baby. A, yeah, definitely got it. <laughs> There's <laughs> more coming up. The formula. Yeah, mm-hmm. More coming up. Uh, right on. Well, I think we're going to go ahead and move on to our listener homework. So here's how that went. Big Man Japan is one of the strangest and at the same time, one of the most hilarious films Michael has ever seen. Is this movie trying to be Kaiju Iega or is it a big celebrity reality TV series? It stars Dai Sato, the sixth big man Japan, who just happens to look like a giant Japanese Christopher Reed lookalike man baby. That guy's name is Christopher? Wow. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. That's- <laughs> so that's like Kid from Kid and Play. Uh, okay. Who runs around in his purple underwear. He is without a doubt the most interesting man in Japan. He doesn't always drink sake, but when he does, he drinks a lot. He does drink a lot of beer. We saw that in the movie. That's true. Uh, And then Michael says, just kidding. Everybody hates him for some weird reason, even though his family members, such as his grandfather, were looked up to and revered as heroes. Also, the camera style is good, yet typical of an indie picture, as Daisato is followed around by this one man who is the only one of the paparazzi who is willing to interview him. As for the kaiju in this film... Good God, they are the weirdest, and in some cases, the most disturbing creatures ever to grace the silver screen. We kaiju fans tend to flock towards the bizarre. The more flamboyant and extravagant the kaiju, the better. We've seen results such as Gilala, Hedra, Gigan, Violante, Legion, and the hundreds of kaiju from the Ultra series. But these kaiju take the cake. These monsters are referred to as Ju instead of kaiju, because many of them look too humanoid, especially in the face. Definitely in the face. Uh, they especially resemble kai- the Japanese yokai rather than kaiju, or the villains from the Kamen Rider and Super Sentai franchises. Some of Michael's favorites include, disclaimer, since many of these monsters did not have, did not have official names, uh, he made ones up on his own. Tendralon, a giant roasted chicken with a giant eyeball tentacle that extends from its crotch. Nipelra. The child monster who is too stupid to know that Daisato is not the milkman and Onichan, the devil kaiju who gave Daisato a run for his yen. The conversation with the stink monster was funny due to the fact that the female stink monster sounded like a man and the male had a very, very suggestive looking head and body design. It was also cool that he made a sound like that of the monster. Ooh, and I don't know if I'm going to be pronouncing this right because I, as I said earlier, I'm not really 
uh, as well-versed on Ultraman stuff. This is from Mabius, so you might know it. Okay. Uh, Jashrine? Jashi? Nope. Jashi Rine. Nope, don't know. Okay. Nope, From Ultraman Mabius at some point in the scene. Speaking of Ultraman, the ending scene was the best part with the Ultraman ripoff Super Justice family fighting uh, Oni-chan. It was hilarious to see Oni-chan <laughs> beat with newspapers, being pants to reveal his thong, and therefore giving him a wedgie, and kicking Baby Justice around in the same fashion as the finishing move of the first Super Sentai team, Go Ranger. This is also a character in the scene who is supposed oh. to be a... Yeah. No, it's like, I love yeah. Go Ranger. I used to, yeah. Yeah. That, they're absolutely right. That's a good call, man. Cool. All right. So there is also a scene which is supposed to be a little homage to Asagi Kusanagi from Gamera Guardian of the Universe. That's the uh, the girl in the bed in the hospital. That's very nice. <laughs> uh, due to its hilarity, in the end, Michael gives Big Man Japan a solid three stars. It was good, but it could have been better. But hey, at least it was better than Death Kappa. Isn't that right, Dave? Oh, man. <laughs> he actually, it's so he awesome. He just called me out. He did, but I didn't oh. actually realize that Dave was going to be here tonight. So it's so <laughs> awesome. So awesome that I got to actually read that. I will cut you. <laughs> wow. Yes, it is better than Death Kappa. I mean, it's, come on. What's not? I mean, it's like I had some appreciation for Death Kappa, but it's like there's a lot of things that are better than Death Kappa. Yeah, that's Good, true. You know, that's nice. True. <laughs> nice pastrami is better than death cap. I mean, it's like, it's, it's not, it's, it's not lionize anything. We don't have to. All right. Scott says big man. Japan is a truly strange film. So Scott is going out on a limb right off the bat. <laughs> it appears to take a very realistic deconstructionist view of the kaiju genre by adding in all the mundane trappings of modern life, essentially reducing the great adventure of monster fighting to a really crappy dead end job. This is all in service. To the focus of the mockumentary, the central character, Masaru Daisato, a man with almost no redeeming qualities. He is a lazy, thoughtless coward who is going through the emotions of his life, totally resigned to his fate, living completely at the will of others. The slow sadness of this film is punctuated by the delightfully funny and surreal bits with the kaiju. Ultraman meets the office. Big thumbs up for that uh, metaphor, Scott. The final act, in a daring switch from conventional Hollywood-style narratives, Masaru is given a chance at redemption, to save his beloved grandfather and to turn his life around. Instead, he trips over his grandfather while running from his enemy, killing him and sending the film into a totally different style, a parody of the third-rate Sentai show, complete with low-budget costumes and bad special effects. The defeat of the kaiju at the hands of his rescuers is an extended, awkward beating that feels more like a hate crime than a heroic battle. Uh, I think that is an excellent, yes, yes. excellent observation. Okay, so it, before, it did before get, you get back into that, uh, the the I think a long time ago I mentioned that one of the listeners, James Yance, he told me that he doesn't like Ultraman because it's if somebody said, "Hey, do you like uh, you like puppies?" Here's a show where a guy beats the crap out of puppies. Like, but I think when I mentioned that, you were like, eh, I don't know if I buy that. Yeah. This th- absolutely oh, no, was like, this oh, totally my God, does. get off of it, please. Well, and, I, yeah. and, I, and, and obviously, they're doing that on purpose. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it goes on forever. But also, it's like, it's like 
Look, we'll call him Oni-chan. Oni-chan, you know. sure. Uh, it looks like Charlie Brown. He did. He's just got that, yeah, yeah. that that big doll head on. Is totally yeah. He, he looked all, like a mascot. From, yeah, from he a totally, theme and, park. And yeah. then you know, and then he just gets curb stomped by those guys. It's like yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's an excellent observation, Scott. Let me go back to your other excellent all observation, right. Scott. In fact, the break in style and tone is so abrupt. It seems to suggest a psychotic break in our pro- protagonist, like the final 20 minutes of Brazil. Again, Scott, nice bravo. Break. Nice reference. As I was driving over here, I was trying to figure out what domestic director, you know, can, can I compare to like Tim Burton? It's like, no, Terry Gilliam. Yeah. Absolutely. Overall, it's an original and potentially enjoyable film that will appeal to fans of strange cinema, the equivalent to a big bowl of natto with a side of Prozac. All right. Uh, excellent observation. No, I, this guy, you are solid. You are, you are all over this. Uh, so, okay. So natto, you can get it if you go to a sushi place that serves it. Oh, okay. It is fermented soybeans. Oh, okay. No, okay. It's, you're right. So they're okay. like all slimy and yeah. white, and they usually put them on the uh, gunkan style, where yeah. it's like a little bed of rice, and then the uh, sort of like a surrounding yes. thing around the rice with a uh, seaweed. I have and seen it is those. So disgusting. Okay, because good because I have not gotten close enough to know how disgusting it is because I fear it. You should. I've fear seen it. it. I've seen it, and I fear it. I will say that uh, I I do know people that enjoy it. And I tasted it like uh, Billy from Billy Galaxy came oh, over yeah? and we had sushi one time and he was uh, he was like eating something. He's vegetarian or okay. sorry, he calls himself a Segan. I don't need to get into that. Yeah. But right. uh, he's so he's eating this natto and he goes, he goes, you should try one. It's vegetarian. And I was like, hey, man, I'll try. I'll try it. Sure. Put it in my mouth immediately. Just wish that I hadn't. <laughs> just probably one of the grossest things I've ever had in my mouth ever. Wow. So, Anyway, uh, that is, that uh, sounds unpleasant. So yeah, now, now add a side of Prozac to that. And then you've got your, okay. <laughs> your movie. All right. Good. Uh, that's excellent. Scott. Thank you very much for writing in. All right. Uh, Adam writes in to say, everyone knows this pain. You see a great trailer. It makes you want to see the movie it's promoting. You see the movie and you realize it was just a good trailer. Such is the case with big man, Japan, which looked pretty great when Adam saw the preview. That promo clip runs under two minutes, though, and having now sat through nearly two hours of the movie itself and facing about as much time on bonus features as well, Adam can only surmise that this was really a two-minute concept stretched into a full-length yawn. Oh, dear. Yeah. This lack of excitement falls over the entirety of Big Man Japan like tar. The monster fighting takes up probably less than 20% of the film, and the rest of this snoozer is looking at how pitiful Daisato's life is. The beginning of the movie takes more than 20 minutes to introduce its central concept, as if we somehow needed to be teased that this schlub is really a biological monstrosity. Adam understands that Matsumoto is trying to make a comment about how jaded the world has become, and how the adventurous spirit of the past has been lost in a big pile of I don't care. But at the same time, he has to convince Adam that Adam should care. Otherwise, ironically, he makes the point for the other side. Though Adam wonders, is this a fault of the movie exclusively, or is the mockumentary genre just played out? Is the illusion of reality busted to such a degree that we can no longer be patient with false plays for authenticity? And is it worse that the director here defies his own conceit by showing us flashbacks into big man's childhood without making any pretense that they were somehow filmed? 
It's a good point. Uh, doesn't <laughs> it doesn't take away from I, my enjoyment of the film? I though. think somebody needs to suspend their disbelief a little bit more. <laughs> I think, but, all right, things turn for the better about two thirds in or so. The monster fights, despite being rubbery, low rent CGI, are the highlight of the picture just for the craziness of the monsters themselves. If you've ever read any Japanese ghost stories, you know that their old legends are full of some of the most bizarre creatures you're ever likely to find. The first guy Big Man takes on looks like a walking straight jacket with a bad comb over. The second is a giant head sitting on top of a leg. The third is a hairy torso with a lower appendage with an eyeball on the end that it whips around like a mace. For as ho-hum as the rest of this stuff is, these guys are actually really fun. And the story picks up steam after Big Man beats the eyeball kid. Before he can catch his breath, Big Man is knocked down by a new monster, a twisted devil that looks like a decrepit version of that old Harvey Comics character, Hot Stuff. Hot Stuff beats the snot out of Big Man and he runs away in the supposed hero's cowardice, sparks a renewed interest in the supersized gladiator. It also sparks the upward trajectory of the weirdness and the downward slide for the main character, both of which set him up for enough redemption to fill those grape-flavored Incredible Hulk undies of his. But wait, no! Matsumoto isn't going to give us the glitzy sports movie ending. Instead, he cuts to a bizarre Ultraman parody that both lampoons the oh-so-popular TV superhero style and maybe a little reality TV as well. Even Big Man and Hot Stuff are no longer CGI, but now wearing ludicrous muscle suits. What the hell does this last ten minutes have to do with, <laughs> with all that has led up to it? Beats Adam, Adam imagines that Matsumoto wanted to make one last attempt to defy expectations, but instead he has ended up creating a cop-out that is emptier than the cliché he's decided to discard. Bummer. Clearly Dave and I are in the opposite camp. I I say so. And then he goes on to say, There's enough raw material here that a merciless editor might be able to take Big Man Japan and carve an enjoyable movie out of it, pick up the pace, cut out the padding, Give us less of Matsumoto's sad face, convincing as he may be as a loser, and get straight to the butt-kicking. Otherwise, Big Man Japan is one thin idea stretched way too long. So long, in fact, that it breaks, and apparently the auteur during the stretching was buried too deep in his foam rubber muscle suit to notice. Big Man Japan, a.k.a. Dai Nipponjin, is definitely not one of the greatest movies ever, but definitely a weird movie. Robert thinks that Big Man Japan starts out as an okay homage parody to the Daikaiju genre, but drops the ball in the climactic scene. He watched this film for the first time for the discussion this month, knowing beforehand only that it was a kaiju comedy and nothing else. He found that the documentary format was uh, quite interesting. Didn't waste time spood feeding you every detail of the backstory all at once in a heavy explosion scene, but slowly drew you into the world of the this big fantasy hero with big real-life problems. Robert also enjoyed the imaginative and quirky monsters that popped up to fight, who quite nicely punctuated the long talking head scenes that were devoid of music. You know, I didn't notice that, actually. There we go. Very good, Robert. He really didn't like the end. He understood the Ultraman reference all right, but the change in style was jarring. There was no foreshadowing or indication that it was going to shift like that. And the end wasn't as funny as it could have been, and it went on too long. At least Big Man Japan was better than Death Kappa. Man, there is Death Kappa's taking keeps on taking the hits. Yeah, that is. Uh, it's probably going to. I yeah. think the, the people who <laughs> who agree with me on Death Kappa. Yeah, are, uh, was, uh, are there, yeah, yeah, they're definitely they're there. Welcome vocally. Yeah, I'm going to stick by my guns on the ending of yeah. this movie. That I think it is jarring. I think Robert's absolutely right. I think that uh, the but I but I do think 
that thematically and tonally that the family squabble at the table at the end does tie it all together. Mm-hmm. I think, I think mm-hmm. Matsumoto did want to try, try and slap us around and wake us up in those last yeah. uh, 15 minutes. But I, th- I think he, I think he uh, validates it with that whole, uh, uh, family squabble at the end and, and, uh, and makes it work right on. Okay. So, uh, Mike Keller says that for the second time since participating in these Daikaiju discussions, he finds himself reviewing a film that he's watched for the first time ever. However, unlike Ultraman, the next, he has seen parts of big man, Japan before watching the whole movie. Now Mike finds it a little ironic. It should be the designated discussion in the same month that houses father's day, considering some of the ground it covers, uh, this brings him to the first realization about this movie. This may be the most melancholy comedy since Forrest Gump, but this film is merely depressing, while that one was an outright tearjerker. Mike gets the distinct impression that the film may be better than he realizes. By this, he means that he, he thinks that there are some cultural references in this thing that flew right over his head, the profession still being necessary, but not as revered and glamorous as it once was, public hostility towards the practitioner, earning less money than the glory days, etc. What is all of this referencing? Mike knows that the leaping monster bore the face of actor Riki Takuchi. Oh, here we go. Oh, weird. Okay. Now I need to know who that is. He's got to assume that the other monster faces belong to other actors with cult followings. Yeah, I would absolutely assume Oh, yeah, that. no, it's, yeah. It's, it's a given. What of Big Man Japan himself? By the way, Mike asks, isn't the literal translation of Dai Nippon Jin supposed to be giant Japanese person? Uh, yeah, definitely. Nippon Jin uh, is, a, is a Japanese. Okay. Uh, a Medikai Jin. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if our hero was a parody of giant Japanese superheroes, he resembled none of the metallic gargantuas Mike is familiar with. Big Man Japan looked more like a sumo wrestler, which makes Mike think that the film just might have been attempting to make a comment on the profession of sumo wrestling and its current status in Japan. Hmm. Wow. I cannot speak to that. I actually have only seen one thing about sumo wrestling at all, and it was part of a documentary, Freakonomics documentary. Oh, right. Yeah, I think it was like an episodic style kind of thing, talking about corruption in the sumo industry in Japan. That is very interesting. Anyway, uh, if Death Kappa warranted an adult-themed <laughs> podcast, then Mike is sure that this movie certainly will. It's actually not. We'd, we'd warrant Death Kappa <laughs> for two reasons. One, Death Kappa was uh, it's just such a weird movie, and it's got some weird, bizarre stuff in it. But also, Dave is actually the other reason that, that we made that an explicit episode. <laughs> Well, and Dave is here, and I was totally ready to break out yeah. the f bombs for this. If, I, if, if I you, think this no, movie you're, though you're is in a charge, little. Captain. This this movie is a little more normal than Death Kappa, I think, and uh, I think yeah. you can discuss it. Uh, you know, unless you're talking about, uh, I'd say, and sorry to interrupt Mike's homework here, but I'd say unless you're talking about a really, really kind of uptight family. Uh, this movie is appropriate for all ages. You know, it's, it's just a weird, it's just weird is all, you know, you have, a, you have a small child. Would we, you let Xander watch this? No, 
No, but he just wouldn't get it. But that's and, but is well, that the, the reason, yeah. or are you? Is it the reason? Is, is oh, that it's he inappropriate, get it, or because you'd be like, oh no, I don't want well, him to he see does, the weird. He does kill the one-eyed trouser snake with a baton to the butthole. So you know there is that. But um, no, I'm. It, it's not. Yeah, it's not particularly inappropriate. It's not the context of a movie for a young. Oh child. no, it's, it's like not, it's, it's, it's not. like I mean like one of like one of Xander's. Um, my son's complaints about movies is they're too talky. Mm-hmm. He wants to see. It's like he when we watch Godzilla movies together, mm-hmm. we are we are blowing through all the plot development. We're going from one fight to the next. Thank that you. is all. He wants explosions. Yeah. Mike wonders at the souls ascending heavenward effect that happened every time something bit the dust. He guesses it makes a change from the falling over and exploding routine that happens often in Japanese superhero TV shows. I actually was wondering about that too because. You know, I haven't really seen a lot of that in the media that I've watched. I was wondering if maybe it had some other cultural reference like Evangelion or some anime. I just assume it was its own thing. Might be. Might be. As for the editing, when everything turned into an episode of the Ultra series filtered through Death Kappa, Mike's take was that this was the dying fantasy of our protagonist as he shuffled off this mortal coil, remembering the white light that flooded the screen before his sequence. Mike thinks big. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I remember that. Yeah, uh, Mike thinks Big Man Japan's soul was ascending, just as the previous characters had, and this was either his heaven uh, or his eternal moment of zen before the end. Mike thinks that the use of CGI in this film was better than most of what he saw out of the Millennium Godzilla series, but still not up to Western standards. He's optimistic that the CGI we see in next year's Godzilla film will be comparable to what Hollywood currently puts out. Does Mike need to comment on the stink monster mating scene? Nah, it speaks for itself. But fans of Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah ought to recognize the tax tower. (laughs) Nice work. Like, I don't want to look at that. I'm just going to look at this building. (laughs) Uh, In conclusion, Mike hopes that he can do a Daikaiju discussion live with the rest of the crew someday so they can really put their editing skills to the test. It's really my editing skills. And... and (laughs) I, I'm freaking awesome at it. I feel like a complete knucklehead. He's absolutely right. So that was his death. That was he. He that was his going into the light. Interesting. Duh. That is obviously what. That's the whole. Like I, we're sitting there watching the movie. We're talking about what's this beam of white light for? Yeah, it's yeah. setting up the ending. Yeah. All right. Oh, nice I, work, Mike. I am embarrassed that I missed that. I wouldn't be embarrassed. We were focusing. That's a lot but to see, focus on. But see, now it on, makes though. the ending even better. Nice, because he goes off to his great rewards, and everybody he's surrounded with are still jerks. Yeah, yeah. That it's like <laughs> he's just shuffled uh, like off one mortal coil where he can't win to another yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, this movie just got twice as good. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have All it. That's right. our uh, five submissions for our Daikaiju discussion for Big Man Japan. Big thanks to everybody who sent in their homework. I really appreciate it, and I really enjoyed reading your comments. Next month, the 1985 Korean epic Pulgasari is our movie. Nice. This is not a movie that has been released here in the United States, but it can be watched. Normally, I don't promote this kind of thing, but you can watch it entirely on YouTube. There are also other websites where you can buy non-legit versions from if you need a keeper copy, Amazon, uh, and a number of other sources, Cult Action, Showa, Monster Island Toys. If there had been a release, I'd be pushing you all in that direction, but it's another crazy anomaly in the giant monster landscape. So 
if you want to submit it, you should. It's got some cool stuff uh, in the behind the scenes aspects that, that are going to be very interesting when you hear them in the next discussion episode. Make sure you have your homework turned in before July 24th to have it included in that episode. We are going to go ahead and move along. And we are going to go move. We don't have any competition for Dave for the pickled ginger, so we're going to save that for another. Ginger anyway. (laughs) I'm like, we're going to save it for another time. Churches, a duck. It's like I, I I never know what to say in that. uh, You should just say that every time. Brian always churches a duck. Just beats me like I owe him money every time (laughs) that we do pickled ginger. Someday, someday I'm going to have the listeners send that to to Rachel or Martin or somebody. And then I'm going to get to take part in it. Cause I know oh, never, never get to read it. That's awesome. All right. Or never get to play. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're going to move on to the news just after we play one more request. This is for possum kingdom ramblers version of Godzilla for Gary. And a terrible sound He pulls the spitting light tension wires down Helpless people on a subway train Scream my God as he looks in on them He picks up a bus and he throws it back down As he waves through the building towards the center of town Tension wires down Helpless people on a subway train Scream by God as he looks in on them He picks up a bus and he throws it back down As he wades through the buildings for the center of town
やってまいりましたちょっと待ってよあのでっかい怪獣がやってきましたどうしましょうあのゴジラゴジラ。United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. All right, moving on to the news.、Uh, my brain is so fried right now because I'm really busy. I don't remember the last time we actually had a news segment on the show.、Mm, didn't so, you Did we? I'm sure、oh, we did. did. But Death Kappa、yeah. was months ago, technically speaking. Was it really? Yeah, because I mean, we're in June. May was Mechagodzilla versus, or Godzilla X、oh. Mechagodzilla. And then the one before that one, I think, was Death Kappa. Oh, okay. So. Right. April. Anyway, well, there we but go. we're going to go ahead and, and、uh, talk about some news stuff here. Dave, I don't know if you read any of the stuff I posted in the war room, but uh, uh, unfortunately. A couple. On May 31st. The sad passing. Yes, Hiroshi Koizumi passed away at the age of 88. Now, this guy was definitely on my wish list of people to talk to. He was in Godzilla Raids Again, Mothra, Matongo, Atragon, Mothra vs. Godzilla, Dogura, Gija the Three Headed Monster, Ultra Q. He had a Man, brief he role in, everything. in Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. Godzilla Returns, aka Godzilla 1985, and Tokyo SOS. In my opinion, Hiroshi Koizumi. Basically, was able to act in some of the best kaiju films ever done. And Matango. Yeah. Which is yeah. awesome. Really great film. Really、oh, great、yeah. film. Anyway, so we're very sorry to have heard of his passing.、Uh, at the very end of the episode, I'm going to play a little tribute to him as, as well. As well you should.、Uh, and I'm still very, very sorry that I never got a chance to talk to him.、Uh, he seemed like a lovely man, and I, I mean that with all sincerity. Uh, moving on to lighter news. Thank goodness. For those who,、uh, who have the L Ray. <laughs> lighter、network. than a guy dying? How could you do this, Kyle? <laughs> It'd be like,、uh, that Casey Kasem thing. We gotta come out of a goddamn number with <laughs> a death dedication. <laughs> For those with the L Ray network, Kaiju Lai begins Friday, July 3rd with Gojira at 10 p.m., followed by Godzilla King of the Monsters. Then Rodan, then Ghidra the Three Headed Monster, then Godzilla Braids again, and then Monster Zero. 
I don't have the El Rey network, which is too bad. You don't. It looks really cool. Uh, also, I own all those movies. But if, well, you, if you have El, the El Rey network, it's a it's a looks like an awesome time. You could have a party that starts at say eight p.m. Well, and then start start having your uh, all night monster marathon. Unless you have Comcast. Oh, really? Okay. Because well, no, I'm just as I found out when they were playing a Robert Rodriguez movie that mm-hmm. you can't get that uh, demon movie called Curandero that. Uh, that he produced. I was like, oh man, I can see Corandero. This is awesome. Cause I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Um, was all excited to see it. Uh, Comcast reports all of the times that things are showing wrong. Oh, are they getting it from like a different feed so or something like I, that? I like set my DVR. I'm like, I'm going to get to watch Corandero. Yeah, yeah. And I ended up taping, I don't know, something I'd seen like 85 times. I was like, Comcast! <laughs> so, um, if you're, if you're one of those people like me who is subject to the whims and, 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 and mean stuff that Comcast does, um, yeah, just, uh, do, do your homework ahead of time. Find out when the movie actually starts. Triple check those air times. They listeners. will yeah. jack you up. Now, I'll have a link in the show notes to the schedule, but they don't actually have anything Kaiju Lai related on their website yet. Mm. So, no, they're only, they were, I did the same thing when Corandero was on. They're only like a few days out. Okay. They don't, they're, they're not going to be talking. They're about not huge yet. promoters uh, unless it's like Luchador stuff. Well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, super cool that they're playing those movies. Oh I mean, yeah, those Ray's are awesome. some L-Ray. awesome, awesome classic kaiju films right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of which we were just speaking about actually, with uh, with Hiroshi Koizumi being in them. El Rey's the bomb. Uh, next up, E3 has come and gone, and there was a playable Godzilla demo. Kaiju Cast listener Justin spent some time in the Bandai Namco booth and was kind enough to send in these following details about his experience. Uh, he asked about. DLC downloadable content for the game. And if they were going to be including that in future in the future, after the release of the, of the game on the PlayStation four and the rep said that at this time, there are no plans for DLC after the launch, but Justin thinks that there should be no technical reasons. This couldn't change based on the game sales and reception. He also asked if it mattered where you pre-ordered the game to get special characters like Hollywood Godzilla. Uh, so in the game, I don't know if you've seen any footage from it. it looks I have cool. not. Uh, in the game, there you can play as the Heisei Godzilla, like this guy here. Yeah. Or uh, they have other other versions, mm-hmm. not too many, but uh, they do have the Hollywood, what they're calling Hollywood Godzilla. Now, the, we're talking about the we're talking about the Gareth 2004. Edwards. Yeah. Which okay. Is, it's just interesting that you in. say that because I think because we like to call we like to adopt what Japan calls Zilla. their stuff, right? So they're right. but they're like. Um, Meaning, say, uh, this suit here, up there by you, that Godzilla suit is Mosugoji, because yes. it's from Mosura Taigojira, ah, right? Ah, okay. And so this is King Goji, because it's yes. King, King Kong versus Godzilla. My, my personal favorite, actually. Really? I'm a big fan. I like that design. I don't know what it is. Cool. Well, yeah. so we've got these names, all these different names for all these these monster suits, or the kaiju suits, for, yeah. or the suits for Godzilla, I should say. Uh and so I don't think there was anybody, you know, we we're sort of waiting to see what Japan started calling it. Like, so they're saying Hollywood Godzilla, but from Japan, mm-hmm. I want to say <laughs> that people are actually calling it Garagoji for Gareth Edwards. Oh, okay. Awesome. 
Yeah, that's kind of a, that's kind of a, immortalized. Uh, that's a nice uh, tip of the hat. Yeah, it's yeah. Work. Um, anyway, so that was uh, that was one of the things that if you pre-ordered the game, you get that. I mean, this game, I, I got to show you some footage from it because it looks really good. Um, they've included a ton of stuff for the U.S. release. Uh, at some point, we'll do an episode after it is released that talks about all the cool stuff that, that the what, game comes uh, with. What's for, what uh, platforms? Only PlayStation 4 here in the States. Although, oh, man. The, the problem is that the thing I don't know is it sounds like it's just for the PlayStation 4, but their website actually says it's for the PlayStation 3 as well. That doesn't make sense to me. It kind of contradicts what I've ever I seen. I ain't got a PlayStation. I ain't got one either. Oh, Dude, man. you want to hear what I'm doing? I'm buying, You're buying the game. a PlayStation. No, I'm buying oh. the game, and then I'm going to Brian's to play the game with him. Oh, all right. And then eventually down bounds. the road, after yeah. after I've done all my stuff that I need to spend money on, I'll, I'll pick up a PlayStation I sometime. But then you can probably get it at a garage sale. Let's, let's keep our fingers crossed Absolutely. there. Uh, let's see. What else did he say here? Um, he asked if it mattered where you pre-ordered the game from to get special characters like Hollywood Godzilla or Garagoji. Uh, that's not what they're doing, which is good because sometimes, and Dave, you probably don't know this because your kid's too young for it, but if you get into the point where... <laughs> Your kid, you're buying your kid all these games. Yeah. Uh, different stores have different pre-orders. So if oh, you yeah. say like, oh yeah, I'm going to get this game X and they go, okay, well, if you get it from GameStop, you'll get oh, a yeah. uh, character Y. And if you get it from Best Buy, you'll get uh, a theme for your oh, Xbox am, or whatever. I am well aware oh, yeah. of, uh, well, because Mortal Kombat, get Jason. Oh, oh, okay, See, gotcha. So gotcha. it's in it's in my uh, uh, it's in my ballpark. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, anyway, they're not doing that, which is good news because that means everybody sort of gets the same thing, which is pretty awesome. Uh, Justin then goes on to say that the demo itself is generally the same. The one he played at E3 was generally the same as the Japanese version, and the demo from the PlayStation X network experience. I'm not sure what it is. Oh, PlayStation Experience, I think. Uh, but this time with English translations and you fought both Mecha King Ghidorah and Space Godzilla at the same time. Anyway, so there you go. That's uh, information on the new Godzilla game. That and sounds awesome. I, man, I can't wait. It looks awesome. Seriously cool. Actually, I posted that picture of Mecha Godzilla the other day where it's like he's like blasting from <gasps> that his was fingers. From the game? That was from the game. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So that cool. looked great. Yeah, eventually we're going to do some kind of cool thing with that I stole game. that for my Facebook. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, looked fant- that looked fantastic. I love that. Uh, okay, oh, I'm in. I'm so, going to buy a PlayStation. <laughs> cool. So in addition uh, to that information, nukethefridge.com also has a hands-on report, so I'll have a link in the show notes to their recap of their hands-on demo Well, that was playing. nice of them. Next up, Sci-Fi Japan has a fantastic, fantastic feature that they've just completed called Godzilla Unmade, the history of Jan de Bont's unproduced TriStar film, and it is awesome. Wow. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'll have a link in the show notes to that as well. Make sure you check that out. That's going to come into play way down the line when we start talking about failed uh, American attempts at, at making Godzilla films. Hmm. Uh, next up, uh, we're going to some merchandise X Plus's lineup for July has been reported on Sci-Fi Japan, and that includes a 25 centimeter Burning Godzilla, a 30 centimeter Gara Goji, mm-hmm. <laughs> with that comes with the Muto. If you get the Rick version, the uh, Internet exclusive version, and why wouldn't you? Because uh, it's difficult to do. You have to have like a third party. <laughs> uh, you're up for it. Uh, yeah. You have the you have the will. I do have the will. I'm actually not buying that figure though. No. No. Oh. No, I've got this. Uh, I've got a couple of the 2014 guys in in my collection. Not a huge fan of the design, so 
I'm happy to just of the, have, like, of, the uh, of the Garagoji? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. It's all right. I am surprised at how much I warmed up to the Mutos. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Because the, the, uh, when I saw the figures... Like before the movie came out, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, "Oh man, this no, is those don't look good. Yeah. This is bad. Yeah, this is really bad." And um, but but when I saw them on the screen, I was like, "This is some beautiful animation. Cool, very realistic movement. Even though the design is, still, oh, you probably could have probably could work a little harder, <laughs> you know, on the uh, on the design guys. But I mean, for you know, but still for its simplicity and everything, yeah. just just the the flying was just done so well, mm-hmm. and um, really liked it." All right, right yeah. on. So yeah, it comes with like a little Muto, flying Muto figure. Oh, a little one? Screw it. I'm out. <laughs> also, they've got uh, 25-centimeter Ultra 7's Alien Platic. I don't know if I'm saying that right. A real master collection, which means it's resin. Uh, 30-centimeter Gamera figure. And then this really killer Ultraman Vanilla Arborus set. Uh, that looks really cool, but wow. spendy, spendy. Is it? Uh, yeah. Also, they've got a 25 centimeter dino tank coming out. Oh, and, like I love dino tank. Yeah. I think he's really cool looking. Um, but I'm not a huge fan of the sculpt. And then the other aspect of the dino tank is for what he is, they are charging too much money for him. How so, much are they charging? Uh, I think it was about 150. And when you talk about guys that are in that scale, they usually start out at about 80 or 90 bucks. Okay. So I just sort of passed on it because I'm doing this whole money saving thing. But uh, I'm sure eventually down the road, I'll probably pick up some sort of dino tank. Dino tank have is one. kind of, not at all. No, I have no dino tank here. Oh. He's so cool looking though. Uh, moving on to the next item and diamond comics, Godzilla releases and previews for July. I include Godzilla in hell, of course, which is coming out. Three different Godzilla Vinyl Wars figures, which would be the M1 Godzilla 2000. I have that guy, but this is a reissue, of course. They're also releasing the CCP Meltdown uh, and a Marasan Hedera figure. Links to the show notes to that as well. More and more (laughs) merchandise here. Dave, I got to show you this before you leave. Tsuburaya combines girls and ultra monsters for a new figure collection. Oh, no. With, with Gamora and Alien Guts. And then they also have a second article that has two versions of Zaytan. Oh, Balton, my wallet. My wallet is screaming in pain. Garamon. And they're like adorable. The. Some of them are like a little more risque than others, but oh, they're, yeah, they're sure. really cute. The Garamon one is hilarious. I really wish Rachel was here so she could see what it looks like. Cause it's like all of the, um, all of the other kaiju women in this lineup are like adorable, like super hot they, yeah. with like, looks like they're wearing like costume <laughs> bits and stuff. Cause you know what Garamon looks like, right? <laughs> Garamon looks like, what did Lady Kyle say? She looked, she said, I think it was like a sad, gay clown covered in leaves or some skeleton clown. I don't remember what it was. It was That's hilarious. All right, yeah. Something like that, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so all of these figures are like, you know, the full figured woman kind of situation. Yeah. And then the Garamon one is just like this little girl with like big hands and a like <laughs> grumpy looking face. And she's just got massive, massive, like Medusa size, like red, like red hair. Oh yeah. my and, God. Yeah. It's funny. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Well, I'll have links in the show notes to both of those articles. Uh, and in addition, we've got even more coming up. Oh, Dave. Oh, Dave. I can't wait for you to see this thing when it comes in. Uh, one of the things that I decided I could not live without was the Kaiju Remix series by Dunk. They have three figures from the Ultraman All right. series. Okay. Uh, 
the first one that they came out with, actually, there's even more. Let me just say that there are several. I'll just say that. So they came out with Kemur Sajin, which is the cicada yeah. man. Yeah. Really bizarre look to him. He's sort of like okay. sitting, crouching down, and he's got the stalk coming out of his back and like a big bulbous thing up at the top. Like maybe he's transforming into something. I don't okay. exactly know. There's probably a scene from an episode that we're not recalling right now. Really, really cool looking. But yeah. this is kind of what they're doing here is they're taking the existing kaiju or, or Sajin. Yeah. And they're reimagining them to be more badass, basically. Yeah. Uh, the same camera stage is a little weird. Uh, they've also got the next one that they announced was Astromons. Are you familiar with that guy? Yeah. I oh, want to say it's like, he's like, a, he's like sort of, yeah, he kind of looks like a, a mix between a couple different kaiju. Like he's got like a flower on his belly. Yeah. And weird. Oh, no, guys, no, 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 no. I was thinking like, of, um, yeah, I don't remember that. Yes. I do know the one you're talking about. Yeah. So, yes. th- Anyway, that that was uh, has already I think been the, released, and I it's think, amazing looking. I think that flower on his belly is actually not a flower. It is. I'm trying to remember. I can see the guy. He's is it got Ultraman eighty. Is that what it's from? Or it's, Ultraman Ace? No, it's um. Oh, this is. Oh, I'm. I've I've gotten rusty on my Ultraman kaiju uh, names. He's like he's like an old school guy. He's kind of like kind of a parrot face. And he's like, he's, he's kind of built the same as, you see, and this is ironic. I remember the name of the creature from Giant Robot. He's built like Scallion from Giant Robot. He's got like the Bem, Bemster. Oh, oh, Bemster. Yeah. It's, Bemster it's, is from, it's the, it's the uh, center. Yeah. It's the chest from Bemster. Yeah. That's so this what, is, yes. These are the old Bandai figures here. I'm just showing yeah. Dave a picture. Oh, no. Okay. Now I'm completely free. Yeah. I'm, I'm completely mixing them up. But, but, but. So that is the plan. The Kaiju Remix series. I'm just going to shut up because I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) He had a plant sort of flower. Yeah, I'm I'm all confused. But you're talking, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of Green Mons. Okay. That's what I was thinking of. Astro Mons, Green Mons. There's like so much. Yeah. You say potato, I say potato. <laughs> you say astromons, and I say green mons. Yeah. Green mons, astromons. All right. So I just want to show you this just so you can see the detail on this thing. Uh, this is, you can't zoom in, unfortunately, but this okay. is, he's, this he's, is the he's showing me this. He might have to. I'm going to look in a moment. He might have to bleep my reaction. I'm going to take my glasses off so I can see this properly. Holy <laughs> Yeah. It's beautiful. Wow. Right. Oh my, how much does that cost? Uh, I believe those are about 150. Oh, wow. He's like wearing a poinsettia on his chest. It's beautiful. It's like, so look at that head. Yeah. So they've got, wow. uh, they've got Astromons. They've got, oh my uh, gosh. Gama Kujira. I think that's oh, how you say his name. Okay. And he's ugly. I don't know him. Uh, he's the pearl eating monster in, uh, in Ultraman. The first Ultraman series, okay. and then last but not least, the the one that they've announced and he's pre-orderable, and this is the one I pre-ordered. Bemular, and he looks so oh yeah, rad. so cool. So, uh, so cool. boys and girls out in podcast land, this I cannot oversell how good the sculpt on this Astromons looks. It is, what is this company again? Well, the company is called Dunk and the series is called Kaiju Remix. Oh, so good. And, and Astromons as well as Bemular, both sculpted by an artist, uh, a U.S. based artist named Paul Komoda. Wow. And he did a fantastic job and he listens to the podcast. Shout out to Paul. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
he and I are going to do an interview at some point. Oh my gosh. He's really, he's, really talented. You should like, Oh, because we're like just the way, just the, the nigh orgasmic sounds I'm making looking at this thing. I think we just increased his sales. He should see. <laughs> he needs to send us samples. There you go. He needs to, oh, this is gorgeous. I got to try and meet with dunk when I'm in Japan later this year. Oh my gosh. The, <laughs> I kept flipping through your, through the pictures and yeah, I came yeah. to the original one. Yeah, yeah. The, the original one. The difference one is, between the original one and painful. the kaiju remix is, is crazy. The original one looks like my kid made it out of Play-Doh compared to this thing that Dunk is coming out with. It is, well, in all fairness, the original one does look like my kid made it out of Play-Doh. So it's like, <laughs> it's not, even if I wasn't comparing it. But this is, yeah, this is stunning. I, and you know, again, uh, listeners at home do not know my background. As a professional illustrator and uh, designer, and um, so my appreciation for uh, the work and the uh, care and the design that went into that uh, reboot is uh, is it is it is deep and profound. Very cool. It is gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. It really is. It's one of the best figures I've ever seen. And it's Astromons. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. I'm not like I haven't ever seen that stuff. I'm not usually tempted to order order stuff. Oh no, when I don't know the source material, right? I was tempted to get Astromons just because he looked oh, so it's beautiful. Good. It so is good. Beautiful. They, Dunk is doing an amazing job. I hope they continue. Uh, next up, also on SciFiJapan.com, they have an update to their Godzilla 2014 product listing. Uh, so if you are still, you know, looking for awesome stuff regarding the 2014 Godzilla film, check out that link to see all of the products. I think they have literally every single product that has been released listed for that uh, for that particular page. Uh, and then our last piece of news for the night is uh, Sci-Fi Japan also has an article showcasing the brand new Godzilla 1954 from NECA, who uh, they're the same guys, the, the 84 version and the 94 version. It looks pretty good. Um, I personally have plenty of 54 Godzillas here, so I don't think I need any more of those. <laughs> yes, you do. But the cool thing about NECA's Godzillas is that they are absolutely affordable. So I pay a hundred and something dollars for this massive X plus figure. You know, not everybody has that kind of money. So, uh, it's good to have another detailed oriented company putting out cool stuff for Godzilla fans. Here, so. here. There you go. Uh, that's the news. We're going to move on to catastrophic events. G-Fest, the annual Godzilla convention in Chicago, Illinois, is rapidly approaching. Their website has been updated with the latest details on the show, which includes panels. So all of the panels that I am part of, here they are. Friday on the 10th at 3 p.m., KaijuCast remembers Rulers of Earth with Matt Frank and Jeff Zorno, the artist from that series. Then Saturday, this is hilarious, starting at 12 p.m., I'm going to be on the 50 Years of Gamera panel with August Rigoni. Then at 1 p.m., I'm going to be part of Keith Foster's Kaiju-sized Avengers, which is going to be a ton of fun. But at the exact same time in a different room, Hail to the King's 60 Years of Destruction will begin its premiere screening. Get out! Yeah. Wow, congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, Immediately following that, approximately at 2 p.m., it's going to be the Q&A for the film. Make sure you stay through the credits just to see your names if you donated to the documentary. Dave donated. <laughs> I did. He's my hero. It was so long ago, I don't even remember. <laughs> well, it's finally happening, dude. Right, it's I'll finally take your word for it. You saw like three minutes of the documentary. I did. <laughs> I, did. I hope it's longer. It's much longer. It's okay, about an good. hour. Okay, hour, all about right. About an hour and five, yeah. All right. Um, 
then at 3 p.m., a live Monster Zero commentary recording with Mr. August Rigoni as well. Oh, correction. At 8 p.m. on Saturday is when we're having the KaijuCast listener party. On the last episode, I was under the influence, and I was under the impression as well that the uh, that the something. concert, yeah, that was our last explicit okay. episode. The concert was going to be uh, on Saturday, but it's actually on Friday. So the Symphonic Fury concert is on Friday, uh, and so the party will be on Saturday once again. Check the Facebook page for details on that. You are just the bell of the ball at G-Fest this year, aren't uh, you, Princess? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I'm going to be the nice. overworked crazy guy. Sunday at 12 p.m., I'll be noon, that is. I'll be on Fresh Vinyl Live with Rich Iso, David Dotko, John Bumpus, Christine Chapman, and Samson West. And then at 2 p.m., we have our live Kaiju Cast panel, In Search of Monsters, with Mr. Mark Harmio. And then at 3 p.m., everyone can follow me directly from the panel to the second screening, the encore screening of Hail to the King, 60 Years of Destruction. It is going to be an absolutely packed, absolutely crazy weekend, and I actually am going to be recording as much of it as possible nice. for future episodes. As well you should. Maybe release some of those when I'm in Japan later. Had I realized this was going down, I told, I would have been like, I would have gone like been part of your entourage. Oh, really? My entourage is me. I would have been been your drama. (laughs) No, I guess I I do have some some guys that hang out with me. I appreciate that, though. I totally am. I'd be like, I'm with Kyle. I'm with, I'm sorry. (laughs) Wait a couple. I'm with with Mr. Yount. I'm with Kaiju Cast. (laughs) Wait a couple of years. (laughs) I got to get more involved with the show without having to do as much. Anyway, uh, the next catastrophic event, thank you for your patience uh, for those not going to G-Fest. Monster Mania is happening July 31st and August 2nd in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. They have Haruo Nakajima, Bin Furuya, and Kitagawa, Tom Kitagawa. So I'm talking about the original Godzilla, Haruo Nakajima, uh, the original Ultraman, Bin Furuya, and then the Millennium Godzilla, Tom Kitagawa, will be appearing there. Uh, Apparently, uh, Kenpachiro Satsuma dropped out, unfortunately. But, you know, those are some really awesome names with some really iconic roles in in the... Lifetime of Kaiju Films. Uh, yeah. After that, the next item I have on the catastrophic events is Rose City Comic Con, September 19th and 20th here in Portland, Oregon. Keith Foster and I are sharing a booth. It is going to be Kaiju themed. It is going to be awesome. There will be a Kaiju related panel, which you will absolutely want to stay tuned for because Rachel and I just started talking about how rad it's going to be. <laughs> and I have a plan in place for our very first ever portland listener party really yeah right on yeah so this is uh you know this is the chance locals here have to make me you know not do the whole charlie brown kicking rocks come to the party (laughs) come to the party show your support Tell me I'm not crazy. We will have a booth there as well. Oh, awesome. Frytown always yeah. has a booth at, uh, at uh, Rose City. Frytown's booths are rad. You guys have some really, really done up people for, Thank the, you very for much. the haunted house. Well, you know, we got to do it. Uh, also the same weekend, so I won't be going to this, Son of Monster Palooza will be in Burbank, California, the 18th through the 20th. No kaiju guests announced just yet, but you never know. Uh, that's going to do it for our catastrophic events. Housekeeping. If things go well... Be prepared for phase two of the Kaiju Corps to begin in July. 
I don't want to promise anything just yet, but we're talking about, you know. So you're just teasing. Opening, yeah, totally oh. a tease. Yeah, totally teasing like a jerk. And then uh, Brian and Rachel aren't here today, so I can't talk to them about getting that contest, the haiku contest up and running. I did have a couple of people ask me about that. And it's, it's coming. It's coming eventually. I just got to I have so much stuff going on right now that I can't even spare the minutes to even think about how to organize something like that until after the documentary is done. Oh, here's a housekeeping item that I forgot to mention. We posted a commentary. I posted a commentary for Godzilla versus Megalon. Check it out. It's uh, not necessarily mine. So what? Anyway, you'll I'm have to lost. go check out commentaries.kaijucast.com to see more. Uh, that's going to do it for the episode. Thank you, Dave, for being my solo uh, right on, baby. co-host. Oh, come on, co-pilot. Big Man Japan, absolutely. Dude, I was, that was I was fun. not going to leave you hanging that on Big fun. Man Japan. That is some crazy, crazy stuff. It is much appreciated. Uh, and thank you for sticking around and helping out with the homework and stuff. Oh, of course. If you found the KaijuCast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, make sure you point your web browser to KaijuCast.com, where you can see pretty much everything that we're about. We have all our links to our social media presences, which would be on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube. And we are also wow, going to, get on to more be... <laughs> it's a lot of work, <laughs> I'll tell you right now. It is a lot of work. <laughs> you have to be all social. Although on the subject of social media, after Death Kappa, I do want to thank KaijuCast listeners for increasing at Baron Von Gulo's followers okay. by... Drumroll, please! Three. So, thank you, <laughs> three dudes out there who think I'm funny enough to follow me. I on actually, I, I uh, would almost be interested in guessing which three because I haven't found that Twitter has been my medium. <laughs> so, I, I there's like maybe three or four people that I interact with on a somewhat spaced out regular basis on yeah. Twitter. But yeah, yeah, it's interesting. There's, I have a couple of very loyal followers, and I can't say their names. On this uh, podcast because um, this isn't an explicit episode. Gotcha. I have gotcha. Dirty, dirty name. Okay. Okay. So, but I appreciate you guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so uh, also we have uh, links to all of our episodes that we do and the Daikaiju discussion schedule. We're going to close the show out with a tribute to Hiroshi Koizumi, which is going to add a nice chunk of minutes to the total running time of this episode. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back with more kaiju related awesomeness in July. Jamata. Yeah,